This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Coming up on Millennial. But you're always watching, and that is comforting. I'm like Big Brother for <laughs> social media. You're like Raz in Monsters, Inc. I'm always, we're always watching. That's me after I've smoked a pack of cigarettes every day for 20 years. Super Mario Brothers, the movie, is also coming out next month. I'm so excited for that one. I am mostly excited because Jack Black is voicing Bowser, and I just feel like he just is incredible in everything he does. We've really got to talk about some of these voice AIs that are going around. It might be hard for people to know what's real and what's not. And in a world where that's already a problem, this seems kind of scary. It is absolutely terrifying. How are you going to prove that that person didn't actually say that when it's just an audio clip? You don't have video to reference and, and analyze when trying to prove that a clip isn't real. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk from future recovering TikTok addicts. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Before we get into today's episode, we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Is Donald Trump getting arrested? (laughs) We've been waiting with bated breath for this for years. There have been multiple... (laughs) There have been... There have been multiple times where we thought it was going to happen. It seemed like something was going to happen. But ultimately, this man is like the Teflon warrior. Nothing sticks to him. And uh, we've been disappointed a few times in the past. But it seems like based on some reporting coming out of New York in recent days, uh, that this might actually be happening. In fact, the former president himself took to his uh, wildly unsuccessful social platform to announce that he expected to be arrested on Tuesday, which is today, the day we're recording. And honestly, I was looking for an excuse to cork the champagne. (laughs) Still waiting. Laura's got a bottle on ice. She's excited to pop that open. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah, I'll do that, too. That sounds fun. That'll bring me back to the 2020 election when we found out that Biden won. Oh, I was going to I thought you were going to say bring me back to the election where um, Trump won and you had to drown your sorrows in champagne. Oh, so you could, I like, did right or wrong, you know? Well, yeah, that's a good point, too. But I did pop a bottle of bubbly when Trump lost. And then I also burned my Donald Trump Funko in my fire pit when I was very drunk. Did I share that video with you too? I think I did. Okay. Yeah. You put it on Patreon. Oh, did I? Okay. (laughs) You're right. You did do that. I I wouldn't play that publicly because I was pretty drunk and I'm talking like all (laughs) sexy to it. I'm like, burn, baby, burn. Yeah, burn. Yes, we are on arrest watch and he did encourage his supporters to protest. I don't think there's been protests yet. Uh, maybe that'll change if he is arrested. 
Yeah. We don't even know if it's going to happen for sure. Yeah, we don't know. And that was going to be my question to y'all. Do we actually believe it's going to happen? I mean, he got my hopes up that he's going to get arrested. <laughs> this is his fault. Like, and he posted it on Truth Social. He wouldn't dare lie on Truth Social, would he? Oh. Wait, I feel yes. like if it happens, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like it's going to be done with like a, the dignity he doesn't deserve. So like in right. the dead of night and we probably won't actually see him being like escorted out of his property and into a police car. Yeah, so I'm sure that if it actually happens, that would be part of his his terms of surrender. Right. You know, that he doesn't get perp walked. Right, exactly. <laughs> can't see it's him not in a cuffs. spectacle, right? Yeah. Maybe he'll he'll agree to. Sometimes they let you surrender on your own, so we might get a shot of him driving to the to the precinct wherever oh, he's right. supposed to be surrendering to. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be like this super awesome <laughs> fanatical, <laughs> you know. No. <laughs> Dun, 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 like momentous music playing on right, CNN. Exactly. Man, <laughs> I would love I, I to see something still, like that, though. <laughs> I will still, I too have some bottles of champagne in the house. So I'll pop one in the fridge for, you know, uh, just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I hope tomorrow I wake up to the news that he's been arrested and like I just get drunk right away while I edit Millennial and watch <laughs> the news coverage and just the looping video. Well, that of him. should be the breaking news. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. If he does get arrested, that's going to be the next installment of breaking news for Patreon. Then we can all be drunk. <laughs> Let's just react right now like it is happening Wednesday morning. Andrew's ready, man. He is. <laughs> he doesn't even need that champagne. He's chilling. Ah! I know. <laughs> I don't have any champagne right now. I'm gonna have to go after the show. I'm I need. Just, I need to I'm get a bottle. I'm just imagining you um, ordering a second Donald Trump Funko off of Amazon, <laughs> burning it just again. To burn, it again. burn it again. <laughs> I'm gonna cuddle with my Hillary Funko. I see it right over there. Maybe I'll grab it when I. Get a little break in the show here. That's much more wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> when you get your second Trump Funko, you should get it um, uh, a little Funko orange jumpsuit. Oh, yeah. Uh, customized. Yeah. Or I'll just spray paint his body orange, <laughs> paint it black. Well, how would you differentiate the yeah, body from the say. rest of his face? Oh, clever. Y'all are clever. Well, if the arrest doesn't happen... There was AI artwork generated this week of Donald Trump being arrested <laughs> and literally dragged away. So if you want to see what that would look like, the bots have got our back. Maybe we can include a link in the show notes. This was posted on Daily Mail. Um, but the art's pretty good. There's also a photo of him running from the cops. <laughs> now, you know that's not happening. <laughs> uh, that's fake news. It's very satisfying. So check out that art if you need a quick hit. <laughs> I was wondering, too, I'm trying to decide if it's embarrassing or not for him to make these big claims about being arrested on Tuesday and wanting protests today, only for nothing to happen. I guess he could just say, oh, the protests worked, even though I don't think there's been protests. There yeah. was protest footage, but I think that was deemed false. It was a protest in front of Trump Tower, but it was from like four years ago or something. It wasn't recent mm -hmm. footage. So 
Yeah, but on the other hand, people are so used to him lying at this point. It's just like, oh, another day of Trump making up bullshit to get his base riled up. And I think he knows to that point, we know that he knows what he's doing. And it really does at this point feel like a last stitch effort from a man who knows that, you know, the clock's running down on a lot of the grace that he had been afforded. Yeah. So we'll see. I agree with that. I think this is also, at least in part, a fundraising ploy, because after Mar-a-Lago got raided, the Trump campaign raised something like $2 million. And then this weekend, after he made this proclamation that he was being arrested on Tuesday, uh, the 2024 campaign for Trump set out something like 12 or 13 fundraising emails to their supporters. So I think, in part, this is trying to eke out every last bit of cash that they can while they still can. Laura, for anybody who might be curious listening, um, if he gets arrested, can he still run for president? Yeah. Well, because he's arrested, but he won't be convicted. If he's convicted, then he can't run, I think. But I feel like a lot of people will maybe assume that he can't. And I think that that's an important distinction to make. I think it just depends on what he's charged with, because there's possible indictments coming out of New York and Georgia. And then there's also the DOJ doing their own investigation into his attempts to subvert the 2020 election. So I think it depends on if it's, you know, state level versus federal level. I don't know off the top of my head, like what combination of of criminal charges would result in him being ineligible. I mean, obviously a felony, but I don't know if what would sort of stand to that occasion. For sure. We can definitely talk about that more because it's going to be probably an ongoing topic of conversation. And a lot of it's going to depend on what comes out of these grand juries, right? Out of the New York grand jury and the Georgia grand jury. And we don't really know quite what that is yet. I think there are some suspicions. But hope springs eternal, (laughs) y'all. Spring did just officially begin the other day. So we're kind of turning <laughs> a new leaf here. And I mean, we might be in the upside down world before long. Trump in prison and TikTok banned in America. Who would have thought 2023 would be bringing us these curveballs? I wanted to bring this up. Is America really about to lose TikTok? Listeners might remember that the Trump administration was considering banning TikTok a few years ago, and we actually kind of laughed it off. It seemed like Trump was a little mad at TikTok for various reasons. We also know he has uh, major disdain for China. So nothing really materialized there. However, the Biden administration is now talking about banning the app outright. They are concerned about TikTok because they fear China might be using it to gather data or spy on Americans, as well as undermine democratic institutions and foster internet addictions among young people. Too late on that front. Everybody's already addicted. And if the Biden administration can prove to Americans that TikTok is a real threat to the country, particularly when it comes to privacy, maybe it could have firm grounds to do a ban. 
They are currently pressing TikTok to divest from its parent company, ByteDance, which is a Chinese company. The Biden administration currently sees that as the only way forward. And that's really what's changed in the last few weeks. They want TikTok to divest or else TikTok is just going to be banned in the United States. Quoting Vox for a moment, they said, even if ByteDance did want to sell off TikTok, it may not be able to. The Chinese government, which put TikTok's algorithm on a list of restricted exports back in 2020. I did not know that. (laughs) You can't export this algorithm. The Chinese government would have to approve of TikTok's sale. So China might not agree to TikTok being sold, of course, because they want to continue collecting this data. So it's a pretty messy situation right now. And meanwhile, the Justice Department is currently investigating TikTok for surveilling American citizens, including journalists. Last December, you might remember it was reported that ByteDance had inappropriately obtained data of American TikTok users, including those said journalists. As people may have also heard over the last few months to a year, I feel like the pace has been picking up a little bit. 27 states now have already banned access to TikTok on government devices. Those states include Utah, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and Texas. So obviously, Laura is not getting a job in government anytime soon because she needs her TikTok wherever she is. Also, I... Well, one, I would never want to work for the government, Uh, but especially the government in Georgia, like, no thanks. Okay. All right. That's, I did not know that Laura would never want to work for the government. All right. No. Do you, like, do you see how crazy this shit makes me? I think I would lose my fucking mind. Fair. Also, I wouldn't be able to like do this podcast or speak freely and I I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, I hate that part. Fuck that. Yeah. So don't worry, not running for office Good. ever. Good. It's too late for us anyway. We we would be uh, thrown out of the race as soon as they started digging into our old podcast episodes. So That is true. That is not an invitation for any of our listeners to go listening to the old episodes for any bad material. If you hear anything bad, it was the AI bots. Right. <laughs> nice tie-in. Um, So TikTok is, of course, not loving these recent developments. They have offered to store Americans' data in the U.S., but reporting last year actually revealed that data in the U.S. has been repeatedly accessed from China. So they just need to completely break free from ByteDance. So one reason I wanted to bring bring this up today is because I know you two really love TikTok. It's been well documented on the show. I like it. I check it maybe once a week. You two, though, really into it. Checking it every day, right? Multiple times a day. It's an easy way to fill some time if you have a little break and you just want to watch short content. Yeah. <laughs> and I have I have some creators on there that I really like Fair. who are putting up great content. And, you know, there's there's a lot of dumb shit on TikTok, but there's also a lot of really good educational material. There are a lot of really good trends that are clever and funny. So I think just like everything else, there are pros and cons to TikTok. And absolutely, a significant con is the Chinese government using it to spy on Americans. They are absolutely doing that without question. Yeah. So I understand why this is being considered. Yeah. And I'm not saying TikTok is necessarily bad. I'm not making fun of anybody who uses it. I actually have a TikTok account 
that I post my drone videos to. Um, it's a perfect place for me to do that. I don't want to throw my drone videos onto my personal Instagram account because people didn't follow me for that. I just made a TikTok dedicated to my drone videos, and that's a perfect place for that short-form drone footage that I I capture. So I like it. I get it. I get all the benefits. But you two must feel conflicted because it's like you both really like it, and yet it is such a problem. I think that part of the reason why most people feel conflicted and also why a lot of people probably don't realize how big of an issue the big root of this problem is, is because we're constantly giving away private information to so many companies. So when it comes to anything, and especially something like TikTok, it's like, what's one more you know, <laughs> yeah. platform that I'm giving away my information to? That's kind of the running joke. And so I understand why the normal person might not feel like it's that big of a deal yeah to keep doing that but in the on the grand scale and on the grander main stage of foreign affairs it is a big deal and to circle back to a point that you made towards the beginning of this segment andrew i know that you mentioned that you know the united states was accusing china of trying to fuel social media addiction via TikTok. I have read a couple of articles now that point out that the type of content that is curated for um, children in China on TikTok is vastly different from what children in America get, for example, to that point. Like, um, I, I wish I had uh, sources off the top of my head to rattle off, but I don't. But I know that I've I've read in the past that like they have more options to regulate how much time your child spends on the app. And if they know that it's a user under 18, they'll try to make sure that the algorithm favors more educational material. That's a far cry from how the algorithm works over here. So it is really interesting that they feel compelled to protect their youth. But it's kind of like the wild west out here in America. Well, and and one little correction there. TikTok actually doesn't exist in China. They have a counterpart, but it's not TikTok. Okay, it's, got it, got it. It's D-O-U-Y-I-N. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, so I'm not going to try. But yeah, TikTok itself, as we know it, is not over there. And that is probably why there is such a big difference. They are They are two different apps, essentially. Yeah, something I want to bring up too, um, and we don't have to spend a lot of time dwelling on this, but I think it's important to think about, okay, if we're concerned about TikTok being a resource for the Chinese government to gather intelligence, spy on Americans, spy on American politicians and journalists, that's an understandable concern. But it's not like TikTok is the only way this can happen. There are a ton of mobile games and apps that are developed in China that are also capable of doing this. And it's just interesting to me that TikTok, because it's big, it's ubiquitous, everyone knows what it is. It's getting the focus here 
right? But ultimately, it's not like it's the only app that exists where this can happen. So I just find it interesting that there's not sort of a broader movement to address the bigger problem, but instead, you know, choosing TikTok to be made an example of, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, but to your point, it is so big and there's so much Mm -hmm. attention towards it in pop culture that I think naturally that is going to be one of their first focuses. I think there's been other attempts. There have been efforts over the years to block various Chinese businesses and probably apps too. I think another factor at play is that Apple needs to have, a, for example, needs to have a good relationship with China and they can't just, you know, Tim Cook can't wake up one morning and say, you know what, China's a security issue for Americans, we're banning all those apps. Phone, Their phones are made over there. Yeah, They sell iPhones in China too, I believe. Mm-hmm. They got to play nice with China. So it's a very complicated issue. It's it's going to take the federal government stepping in. But I totally agree with you. I would like to see, f- for privacy reasons, more of an effort to ban more apps coming out of China. Because you're right. Other apps are, are going to be spying on people, too. And if they ban TikTok, we're going to see so many more of those spy balloons, y'all. They're just going to be everywhere. As payback. <laughs> well, they're going to need a, a vehicle to spy. Us, They're gonna brand so. the balloons with the TikTok logo. And Laura's gonna look up in the sky and be like, I miss you. Come back to me. Andrew, maybe they'll hack your drone. <laughs> no, they'll start using it for like geographical surveillance. Actually, <laughs> my drone is not just made in China, but it's by a Chinese company. Listen. So I'm probably handing them free surveillance footage every time I fly it. I would wager that the vast majority of everything that we buy is made in China. True. And when you're buying stuff off Amazon, how frequently does it come from China? Like, it's just an interesting relationship because we are really dependent on Chinese exports. Yeah. We're all hypocrites. That's what it comes down to. We're all I, yeah, I don't mind it, though. I, You know, Pam was mentioning earlier, like, what's one more? A lot of people are thinking if I'm already handing over so much data, what's one more? I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. I'm sure a lot of people also figure like, well, I've got nothing to hide. So who cares if they're spying on me? And I think that's a reasonable take. And I think it's also a reasonable take to consider that, like, why would they want to monitor you specifically? They might want to take you along with everybody's info to kind of come up with information in the aggregate but like what why do they care about me specifically they don't they don't so i can see why people don't really care well and also nothing you do online is private yeah and the u.s government is spying on us too so i can understand people kind of throwing their hands up and being like what can you do about it that's just life in the digital age would you two go to instagram reels you think if tiktok got band and have you even tried that no i haven't tried it yeah i haven't either my whole thing is that i feel like it's so funny because i think that most of my friends when they're sending me stuff it's usually for instagram reels but a lot of the times it's stuff that's already been posted on tiktok weeks ago i i just i don't feel the need to check it but i guess Yeah, like that would be a huge selling point for them or any of these new short form options that are available now. I know YouTube is really pushing YouTube shorts as well. Um, That's an app that most people have on their phones. So there's going to be no shortage of places for all of these 
TikTok creators to go. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as like as a viewer, maybe. Um. I I don't like post too often on TikTok. I every once in a while when I feel compelled to do something creative, it's a nice outlet to kind of like flex that muscle if I feel compelled. I couldn't see myself doing that for um, Instagram reels, but it's only because honestly, it's mostly because I I just like having a smaller audience on TikTok and just like sending it off into the void of the internet. And with like Instagram, it's like there's so many people that I know from high school on there or like so many family members. It's nice to have like a third space to just kind of like toss whatever up. You know what I mean? Your videos uh, do all right, Pam. A few hundred views each, at least. Your latest one got 1,500. That's good. Okay, that's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) You don't look. Pam's an influencer. I I don't really like, I mean, honestly, like, I'll maybe look for like the first day, but it's, I'm not like keeping tabs on it week by week because I'm not doing it for any kind of gain. It's just like, let me just play around. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, do you, do you monitor your drone videos past like the first day? I mean, like every few weeks, maybe I'll take a peek just to see if one of the videos happened to blow up. Yeah. But no, I'm not monitoring too much. But to your point, yeah. I have looked multiple times to say today to see if a video I posted today is is doing well. And so far, yeah. it's not. But I know it can also take a while. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and I also uh, picked uh, a U2 song, which I'm sure is not trending on TikTok. Mm, right that's a thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, usually, like, I, I will, like, sometimes I forget what I post on there, which it's kind of funny because I haven't posted a lot. But every once in a while, I'll get a comment. And it's like, oh, yeah, I did post that. Like, <laughs> let me go check and see what's going on over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But I know that this week on Thursday, TikTok will be having a big week in D.C. because the app CEO will be testifying before Congress to answer questions about the platform. And today, Tuesday, he posted a a video telling fans of TikTok what to expect. And I love it because it also subtly reminds Congress, how many people and small businesses use TikTok. So he's, you know, he's got a smile on his face, but he's also like, don't fuck with us. So let me play part of this. Hi, everyone. It's Sho here. I'm the CEO of TikTok. I'm here in Washington, D.C. today, and uh, I have some news and updates to share with everyone here. Today, I'm super excited to announce that more than 150 million Americans are on TikTok. That's almost half of the U.S. You hear that, Congress? That's half of the U.S. You're going to piss off half of the U.S. if you ban TikTok. To connect, to create, to share, to learn, or just to have some fun. This includes 5 million businesses that use TikTok to reach their customers. And the majority of these are small and medium businesses. You hear that, Congress? If you take away TikTok, you're going to kill small and medium businesses. (laughs) (laughs) The video goes on for another 30 seconds, but I was like, Oh, I see what he's doing. (laughs) He's reminding people how important TikTok is here in America and how many people care about it. And it's Yeah, he's setting the stage for sure. It's not a bad reminder. 150 million monthly active users. Pretty impressive. So yeah, like I said, we'll see what happens next. But um I'm thinking about you two if you lose TikTok. I I hope everything is okay. Um I just want you to know that there is, you know a world outside of TikTok. You can get addicted to other social media apps. I'll try to find some for you. I don't have them. <laughs> Twitter. Come back to Twitter. I feel like you're just over there like thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> so here's here's the thing I do. I do still use Twitter and I use TikTok, but I don't 
I'm a lurker. I've really mm. turned into a social media lurker. I don't really post a ton of content. So you can send me all the apps you want. I just might not engage. But you're always watching, and that is comforting. Yeah. She's always me. watching. I'm like, I'm like Big Brother for social media. You're like Raz in Monsters Inc. I'm always we're always watching, Mike Wazowski. Yeah. Well that's that's me after I've smoked a pack of cigarettes every day for 20 years. <laughs> And maybe let's include, I mean, Laura just said she's a lurker, but there are a couple of people asking in Discord for the links to our TikTok. So maybe, uh, Pam, if you want to share yours, I know you said you like having the smaller audience there. Chloe's on it. I, I mean, I don't care if um, listeners follow me. I mostly just mean like people that know me in real life. I just want freedom oh, okay. from being <laughs> perceived by people I know yep, personally, yep. you know? <laughs> Mine is Andrew in the air. It's exclusively drone videos and I'm only picking good clips. So I'm not going to bother you with, with garbage. I'm getting better. I'm in, I'm improving. I, I'm, I'm not where I want to be just yet, but I'm also excited to like share my progress on TikTok. Your drone videos are very zen. Like the ones that pop up for me. I hardly ever go on my friends tab, but yeah, organically, well, you know, the for you page will send you, you know, your friends content. Please like comment and share. <laughs> My comment's just going to be, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, I'll take that. We'll, we'll, so we'll throw links in the show notes, to mine at least, and Pam's. And Laura, if you want, you know, throw your link yeah. in. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't care if people look at it. Mine is uh, Basily Boy. Um, it is essentially a TikTok I created to make funny videos about my parents' dog, Basil, because oh, he's yeah. he's very uh, right. clownish, we shall That's say. Cute. Um, he's, he's a very funny dog. And every now and then I'll just post a random video, like doing a TikTok trend. So it's like not at all related to Basil. So mostly dog videos. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> feel free. Follow millennial. How could I not yeah. have mentioned this yet? Oh my God. Millennial yeah. How did we not bring that up? <laughs> That's really where we're most active, right? <laughs> Chloe's going to send us, like, six knife emojis. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Please. Um, I'm also just realizing that I don't follow the millennial TikTok, so I'm going to oh remedy God. that now. I'm sorry. I'm going to remedy Pam. it now. And I hope that all of you join me whenever you're listening to this and remedy that, too. <laughs> that just earned us an extra knife emoji from Chloe. <laughs> yeah. If you're a slacker like Pam, please follow us on, on TikTok. We would appreciate that. We post show clips there. It's, it's a good time. Chloe does a great job with that. All right. So we will be talking about video game adaptations and voice AI coming up. But first, a quick break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. I won't include that. Please do that. 
And listeners, by the way, we're going to have these little ad breaks going forward for the first few weeks, maybe a couple months. They're going to be empty, but they will be filled in time once we get things started. So we're just kind of setting the groundwork. So I wanted to talk about video game adaptations this week. This is the segment that's been kind of on the back burner for us for a while. But this seems like a really good time to talk about the idea of video game adaptations in Hollywood, especially given that The Last of Us just wrapped its first season over on HBO. Um, we already also know that like they're far from the only adaptation that's out there. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, is also coming out next month. But I'm so excited for that one. Are you really? Oh, 100%. I mostly excited because Jack Black is voicing Bowser and I just feel like he just is incredible in everything he does so I think most of the casting for this movie is great except for you know the titular character right (laughs) yeah and I, I just feel like I'm not happy about the Chris Pratt casting either but I just feel like it'll be weird hearing Chris Pratt voice Mario for like the first five, 10 minutes, and then you'll just get used to it and you won't even think about it. That's my hope anyway. But yeah, I mean, everybody looks so adorable. The toads like just bring tears to my eyes. They're so damn cute. I know I'm going to want a toad stuffed animal after seeing this movie Uh, and the world looks so colorful and it looks like there's so many references, which we're going to get into in a moment to um, the video games themselves that, uh, it's, it's just going to bring me a lot of joy, I think. Well, The Last of Us and Super Mario Brothers are far from the only IP that is getting adapted right now as far as video games are concerned. Um, I popped in a bunch of different examples, but just to give everybody a little short taste of some context here. On the TV front, Prime is working on a God of War adaptation. They're also doing a Fallout series. Uh, Netflix has the rights to Assassin's Creed, which they're turning into a TV show as well. On the movie front, Minecraft is getting the movie treatment. Mortal Kombat 2 is also in the works from New Line. Five Nights at Freddy's, Portal, Death by Day, uh, Death by Daylight. I think that's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That also just got announced as well. Um, and then some other notable titles that have come out over the course of the last five years or so include Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2. Arcane, which is adapted from League of Legends, also came out over on Netflix. Its first season is out and the second season is coming soon. Uncharted also dropped, as well as a new adaptation of Tomb Raider, obviously, that has already been adapted before. Um, and then there's a bunch of older adaptations, too, which one of you popped into the dock as well. I don't know if you wanted to talk about any in particular that stood out to you. Yeah, these were just a few that came out. Uh, I would say video game adaptations were popular in the early 2000s and the 2010s, but they weren't very good. Um, So there was a Doom movie. um, There was also Silent Hill. There was a series of Resident Evil movies. And then there was Prince of Persia, which I think was like 2010 or something like that, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. As the Prince of Persia, which, you know, make of that what you will. Um, But it is clear when you look at some of these adaptations 
you know, from 10, 15 years ago, and you look at what's happening now, there has been a market improvement. And I think The Last of Us really exemplifies that. Yeah. So to get back to The Last of Us specifically, you know, we all three have been watching all season long and we talked early on in its premiere about how much we were enjoying it. It's really one of those adaptations that's been applauded by fans and critics alike over the course of its entire first season. And um, the interesting thing about that is that uh, high praise for video game adaptations isn't universal, as Laura was saying. She was just pointing out that Princess Persia was a kind of a big bit of a disaster from start to finish. Um, and I wanted to start off by talking about who we think video game adaptations are for. Are they for fans of the game or are they more for casual viewers? I think they start as for fans of the game. It's good source material that they know is very successful. The Last of Us is one of the biggest video games in the last 10, 15 years. People also really love that game for the story. I only played a little bit of it and I actually thought that show might make me want to play the game and actually play it all the way through. I haven't. It's just, it's a little too dark for me. I, I've got enough darkness going on in my video games right now. <laughs> but um, it starts as a place for video game fans to consume this content in a new medium. But then it should, in theory, by extension, be appealing to outside viewers because if the story is good, it doesn't matter if it was a video game or not. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, they're trying to appeal to the largest bucket of consumers that they can, um, which, you know, generally speaks to a studio trying to make sure that what they're putting out there is going to be accessible for general audiences, because that's where they're going to get the most impact in terms of views, bang for their buck, right? But I feel like Last of Us walked a very fine line and they walked it very well of being able to satisfy both game fans and um, people who hadn't played the game, but, you know, tuned in for the show. It was getting great word of mouth, too. And that probably mm -hmm. convinced a lot of people who had never heard of the game before or just aren't gamers to check it out because like I think a lot of people going into it they may not have been attracted to the idea of another zombie show the main Walking Dead series just wrapped up I think last year and people are tired of the apocalypse format and there was reporting that they literally banned the word zombie on set <laughs> I think this show tried to get away from being considered a quote unquote zombie show because it it is more than that. And I didn't see it as a zombie show, even though I was very tired of The Walking Dead type show. Yeah, it's not a zombie show. What makes this show different is the zombie apocalypse is definitely the backdrop of this, but the story is really about the people. And that's true in the game, too. I don't remember them ever saying the word zombie in the game. They always say infected or they'll refer to the different names of the various stages of infection, like runners or clickers or bloaters, things like that. Like they never explicitly say zombie, which I think is smart because it's a really good point that we have been zombied out. Yeah, we don't need more in pop of that. culture. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a human driven story. Joel and Ellie, like the chemistry between Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey is amazing. And they have these really sweet, tender moments throughout the show. And you just can't help but love them. I think that one of the things that they really had going for them is that the game itself is very narrative. And I think that that is a huge help when you're looking for existing source material to potentially adapt. You know, adopting something like The Last of Us that has a distinct story arc is probably going to give you a better roadmap than adopting something like Mortal Kombat, which I think most of us have probably played at like some pizza parlor, you know, or an arcade. Right. It's just, you know, like you have characters and that's great, but it's there's not really like a narrative story arc there, um, at least right. not as far as, you know, like the standalone ar- arcade games go. So um, I think that that is as part of it as well. Um, we also wanted to talk a little bit about accessibility in gaming. Um, I think that, you know, obviously like video gaming as a hobby is very popular, but not everybody might have access to it for whatever reason. When we were first talking about this, my mind initially went to just how expensive playing video games as a hobby can be. Uh, because in addition to keeping up with the various consoles and stuff like that, playing these uh, games, if you want to play them right when they come out, can get pretty pricey as well. But Laura actually had some other really interesting concept as well that really kind of takes this to another level entirely. Yeah, and I'm glad that you you brought all of that up, Pam, because... And I'll get to this point in a second, but there's definitely like with this, like with anything else, if it's a book to movie adaptation, game to movie, there's always going to be a tendency for some people to kind of want to gatekeep because they consider themselves like OG fans um, and they want to kind of gatekeep based off of that and kind of shade people who are like movie fans or show fans, which is ridiculous. The accessibility point can be looked at from so many different angles. Just like Pam was saying, a TV show is going to be more accessible for more people than a video game. It just is. There are so many reasons why you might not be able to play a video game. You might not be able to afford it, like Pam said. You might not have grown up with video games, and thus you might not be very comfortable operating a controller. I know a lot of people like that who really enjoy game stories and will watch game play, but they won't actually play themselves because they're not comfortable. Um, But another thing is, you know, there are other accessibility concerns that can make playing a game hard for somebody. And I wanted to bring this up specifically about The Last of Us 2, um, because The Last of Us 2 is actually one of the first games that included accessibility features for blind people so that they can play and enjoy the game, um, which I think is really, really cool. You're not seeing that a lot right now, but I'm hoping that it means that gaming is going to become a more accessible place for everyone. Um, But again, it just goes to highlight why the first Last of Us game probably wasn't super accessible to blind people, but season one of the show would be more accessible to them. Yeah. 
That is great. You see this in computer operating systems too these days, efforts to just make the operating systems more accessible. So that is a good point. I hadn't really thought about these adaptations from the perspective of accessibility. I want to talk about gatekeeping here real quick because I've been really annoyed with some people. I'm a fan of the game and I have to say I totally get why for for people who played the game, I understand why it's annoying to sort of come across some people's hot takes that are very uninformed about the way something happened in the game. There was, uh, there's quite a bit of um, LGBT representation in The Last of Us games. And as a result, there was a lot of that representation in the show. And there were some themes of people who hadn't played the game wanting to call the show like uber woke and started wanting to accuse it of changing the source material when actually that is the source material. Um, So I understand why it's annoying to see takes like that, but I've gotten really annoyed with the game players versus show watchers rhetoric that I've been seeing online because I think what it results in is, yeah, there can be cases like that where somebody wants to speak out of turn on something they don't actually understand about the source material. But I think it can just turn, it can very quickly go down this slippery slope of like game players are the true fans. If you only watch the show, you don't understand. And it's like the reality is the show did a very good job of conveying the game narrative. Yeah, two things. One, it's kind of like the feeling of, oh, I knew them before they were famous. Like people want to get it. They're proud that they got in on the ground level before it blew up on HBO. And they, they, they hate seeing it rise to a television audience. The other thing in terms of changes when it comes to the plot, some video game players, hopefully many of them, should like that they are making changes. A, they have to just because it's a different medium, but B, it keeps you in suspense as a player who already knows the outcome. Mm -hmm. Having not played the game myself, I have heard that they do follow the game, but I think there are some surprises in there and they hopefully build on the story that you already know. They don't take away anything from it. And if that's the case, then I think that's fine. And if you don't like the thought of it being adapted, then don't freaking watch it. But I will say the one take that I saw, and I don't think this is most people, but I was definitely seeing a lot of surprise early on from people whose take was, oh my God, this show is so amazing. Who would have thought that they could come up with such an amazing show from a video game? (laughs) And that pisses me off because I'm like, the ge- the show followed the game story very closely. It's just a good story. So don't make the assumption that just because something is a video game that it's less than or that it has less um, less to contribute artistically because, yeah. I mean, this got turned into a show for a reason and the game creator was one of the show writers for a reason. So Well, again... Go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I feel like it's very similar to how people really knock down graphic novels, too. Mm-hmm. 
and they just like don't believe that it's real storytelling and so it's similar with video games and i think that what people don't realize is that a lot of times these games take years and years and years to make like the uh, the gap uh, between the last of us the original last of us and the last of us 2 was like 10 years or something like that yeah wasn't mm-hmm. it and it's like you you don't need that like there's so many reasons why that much time is needed but a lot of it is probably configuring the story in addition to you know creating all of the visuals yeah and i think we mentioned a few minutes ago there have been a lot of video game adaptations that have not been good so that's probably part of where some of this feeling comes from when people say oh there's no way that could be good it's based on a video game because we've been burned before there was a super mario Mm -hmm. bros live action movie right the internet still makes fun of it today yeah Yeah, it was total garbage there's there's a bad track record and also people who don't play video games don't get video games and i was this type Mm -hmm. of person on and off during my life And people also don't understand how popular video games are. They kind of do lurk underground. You don't hear about video game sales as much as you do like TV ratings and movie box office results. Video games are fucking huge. I don't even know the scope of it, but there's so many people playing video games. And it's just something you don't think about because unless you're in those online communities, you don't really hear much. If you go to like entertainmentweekly.com, Yeah, they do a little video game coverage, but the primary focus is movies and TV. Meanwhile, a lot of games are actually actually do better than a lot of these movies and TV shows that get a lot more attention on the Internet. So people just don't really understand the full scope of the video game world. You know, a really good example of the cultural impact in a different way to that point is um, the impact of uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, for example, which was really big when I was growing up and, and it was like one of those games that we were always playing at my house that specifically the cultural impact, the soundtrack that Tony, Tony Hawk's pro skater had on an entire generation of players is insane to the point where like now when the game has been re-released for its what, like 20th anniversary, probably people are talking more about the music and how, you know, it really introduced young game players to a lot of alt rock that they would not have been introduced to otherwise. And I just think that that is really cool. Yeah, I loved that game. Me too. I did too. I bought the re-release. It was it was fun. I didn't beat it because it's hard, <laughs> but I am enjoying playing it again. Well, given that video game adaptations seem to be here to stay, I wanted to ask the both of you, since you're avid video game players, if there's anything about the production of The Last of Us that you would like to see carried over into other adaptations going forward. For me, nothing that uh, we haven't addressed already. I Just really good writing, great chemistry between the lead characters. Nothing particularly groundbreaking. They just really have to try, which uh, I don't think they always have with video game adaptations yeah i agree it's the showrunners really have to care and it's very clear that craig mazin and neil Druckmann, who wrote the last of us obviously they do care i would just reiterate the point that we brought up before about the last of us doing a really good job of being a faithful adaptation um but not coming at it from a purist standpoint and like being too afraid to change anything. 
they made some changes in the show that I actually thought enhanced the story. Um, and it just went to goes to show that they understood the story that they were trying to tell. So the changes made sense for television. And I also thought that the show did a really good job of creatively representing things that you learn about in the game by exploring. So for example, when you're playing a game, especially a game like this, you're walking around, you're exploring rooms, you're opening drawers, you're reading letters, you know, you're reading newspapers, and you're gaining information about the world that way. They're not going to show you that in a TV show in that way. You're not just going to see Ellie walking around picking up letters and, you know, reading newspapers and things like that. But what they did in the show is they found ways to creatively um, insert some of that information through character interactions or by expanding on characters that didn't, um, you know, have as much screen time in the game. So that is something that I would really hope to see other adaptations do because The Last of Us did it really well. Are there any um, adaptations coming up that you guys might be excited about in general? Or are there any games that you're hoping do get the adaptation treatment going forward? Laura came up with a list here. The only one I'll chime in on is The Legend of Zelda, because there is a sequel coming out this year. And there have been rumors for many years that Netflix has been wanting to adapt. Of course, that's going to take getting Nintendo's permission and sign off. And I'm sure they don't want to negatively impact the brand by putting together a shitty show. So I would like to see that done if it's done right, of course. But yeah, other than that, I, I don't have any that I would like to see adapted. How about you, Laura? I feel like that would just be visually stunning too because yeah. Zelda is just so be- aesthetically beautiful. Like it's a nice world to kind of hang out in, you know? Yeah, right now I'm definitely like already ready for Last of Us season two. So that's kind of where my head is at. Um, because if you thought uh, if you thought season one was dark, Andrew, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, But um, I think that there are a lot of games coming out this year that I could see people potentially being into for a movie adaptation. There's also a lot of game remakes coming out this year or that have already come out. So Resident Evil 4 is getting a remake. Dead Space got a remake. System Shock is getting a remake. Final Fantasy VII <laughs> Rebirth is coming out. Um, so there, there are lots of sequels coming as well, like Spider-Man 2, Alan Wake 2, Diablo 4. I can't believe that game is well, <laughs> on its fourth Just iteration. like in Hollywood, when it comes to movies and televisions, everything's rebooted or there's sequels. So yeah. it works perfectly. I, you know, I think, and I'm not super into Street Fighter, but um, my significant other is he's super excited about Street Fighter 6 coming out. Um, I think that that could be a fun movie, potentially, depending on how they did it. You know, Mortal Kombat. I actually kind of liked the first movie. It was cheesy and not very deep, but it was exactly what it needed to be. So I think Street Fighter 6 could do, or excuse me, Street Fighter as a franchise could do something like that. 
I really haven't played any of these games, so I. But Pam, would, anything here that you'd be excited for? I mean, a lot of this is like you know really notable existing IP, like Laura was saying, like you know Resident Evil, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, even something like Final Fantasy. These are all titles that have been around for a while. Even somebody that doesn't play video games probably has a good touchstone for it. I'm always here for any adaptation that could be done right, and if Hollywood wants to right a wrong in that regard, like I. I don't mind as long as it's not you know awful because then what was the point yeah how about tony hawk pro skater the movie <laughs> with the original soundtrack is he getting kind of long in the tooth for that probably well, yeah, they cast the young tony hawk and he's <laughs> yeah, like making his way true. up in the skateboarding industry I feel, but like, see, again, like, I feel like where Hollywood shoots itself in the foot very often with these adaptations is that they, um, they don't pick anything with like a narrative structure and then whatever structure they do come up with just doesn't work. Yeah. So I, I am like, I mean, like Super Mario Brothers, the movie to like bring it all home to something we were talking about at the beginning of this discussion. I mean, technically that does have a little bit more of a narrative structure, but there is also a lot of room to play. And I am going to be really excited to see if they've come up with a good concept because, you know, obviously the first time around didn't work out so well for them. So, yeah, I also do have like I have high hopes for Netflix's Assassin's Creed series. The movie with Michael Fassbender was not great, but I think that like the idea of what that game is, is very interesting. And there is a lot of room to play there if it's done correctly so hopefully they get a good team behind that and it turns into something really great but i could see that being the next i think that that's going to be the next um last of us like there's going to be the same amount of buzz around that 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 there was with the last of us coming out so all right well before we get to our last main subject today just wanted to plug our patreon so pam you and i recorded quite the lengthy after dark special last week i think it was like an hour 15 we didn't intend for it to be that long (laughs) (laughs) but we went on for a while because we received so many questions from listeners about our time in the podcasting world um have old people reached out to us anymore after we had falling outs with them of all the podcasts you've created which one had the most drama was there anything your parents still don't know about what was the matt andrew love story all kinds of questions came up in this after dark so thanks everybody who submitted questions and you can find that at patreon.com slash millennial we do an after dark every week so be sure to pledge today and you'll get instant access to years of after dark benefits just yesterday we did a bay hangout with our bay and executive producer patrons and we just shoot the shit for an hour on video on zoom it's always a good time and we got this new executive producer tier where we are now opening up access to our planning meetings every other Friday. And again, that's lengthy, good bonus content for everybody to enjoy. And Laura, what's coming up in After Dark today? So we're going to kick things off by sharing another series of emails and uh, as well as an old photo that I dug up from one of those old emails from back in the days. Muggle Suck is back. Oh boy. And we're going to be using that as a jumping off point to probably make fun of ourselves for how addicted we were to communicating over email uh, at the time. It was, was so that 2000s. normal for teenagers or was it just us? It was I bet it was just us. <laughs> I'm thinking back to people I knew in <laughs> high school. Yep. 
probably just us. At least at the frequency <laughs> we did. I mean, our lives were on email. We didn't have Twitter and Slack and all that, you know? It was like an ongoing chat, right? Yeah. Like threads and threads and threads. So. Instant replies. <sighs> mm-hmm. Oh, God. I had some fights over email. I still <laughs> I can't bring myself to look at them, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, I found some of them and they made me cringe. Thank you to everybody who supports us at patreon.com slash millennial or over on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts as well. And by the way, whether you subscribe through Apple or Patreon, you do get a discount if you pledge for a year up front. All right. Well, closing us out for today, we're going to revisit the topic of AIs here quickly. Um, I know in previous weeks we talked about chat GPT as well as AI generated art. But we've really got to talk about some of these voice AIs that are going around, in particular, ones of, you know, some very notable American politicians. I first noticed this on TikTok. So this whole episode is connected, I think. (laughs) Um, When I started getting videos in my in my algorithm of um, AI generated Trump, Biden, and Obama voices playing games together, like playing video games together and shit talking each other. And they're very funny. They're fucking hilarious, but these voices are uncanny. <laughs> it's kind of freaky. We have a clip that we're going to play here of um, Obama, Biden, and Trump trying to rank. <laughs> Um, the Zelda games from best to worst. <laughs> All right, next up is Wind Waker. I'll just put this in S tier and we can move right along. Hold the fuck up. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Wind Waker is the most mid-game I've ever played in my fucking life. Finally, this motherfucker says something I can agree with. Wind Waker is so goddamn boring, it makes me wish the GameCube was never made. What the hell were they thinking going from the dark and grim MM to this goofy-ass cartoon bullshit? Forsaken Fortress is dog shit. Boring as fuck the first time you go there and easy as fuck when you return. Fuck you guys. My list. My rules. If that's how this is going to go, then I'm out. I'll make my own damn list. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Trump just and this left. Is one of the this is one of the earlier examples, and they've only gotten better as time has gone on. So we wanted to kind of have a giggle at that. But we also wanted to talk about the consequences of voice AI for politics, in particular for the upcoming elections here in the United States, because social media already dupes enough people into believing fake news. So imagine AI being used to generate fake audio clips, interviews, news reports, or even presidential addresses. If somebody puts together a particularly convincing deep fake so they can make it look like the president or a presidential candidate has said something on TV that they didn't actually say, it might be hard for people to know what's real and what's not. And in a world where that's already a problem, this seems kind of scary. It is absolutely terrifying particularly when it comes to audio, because the video, yeah, I'm sure at some point we will get to a place where um, the video is so good, you can't discern between a real video and a fake video. But audio is at a place now in this clip, like Laura said, it's a little early on, 
but there are other audio examples that are so darn good. How are you going to prove that that person didn't actually say that when it's just an audio clip? You don't have video to reference and and analyze when trying to prove that a clip isn't real. We frequently see leaked audio, real leaked audio. We are conditioned to believe audio that we hear. So around presidential campaigns or whatever else, and you know Trump's not above this, we can imagine a future where people are creating fake audio clips to tank somebody's, let's say, presidential career or their future job prospects. This is really dangerous stuff. And being that being able to make them say anything like I just I can't foresee how we'll be able to prove that an audio clip in particular isn't real. How can you prove that? You can't if it's so good that it sounds just like them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I. Yeah. I mean, this is like much lower stakes, but for the sake of, you know, bringing up an example, I, I'm very obviously deeply embedded in Swift talk. And if you are also, you know, on the Taylor Swift side of TikTok, you've probably seen that the the trending audio right now for anybody going to her tour it starts off with a clip of her saying, oh, my God, your heiress tour outfit looks so fucking good. But that's AI generated. And it sounds so realistic. It sounds just like her. I've also seen clips of, you know, people like um, AI generating duets between Taylor Swift and Harry Styles that sound really convincing. And, you know, all of that is just fun and games, but it can potentially have much higher stakes when we're looking at how this could potentially affect us, you know, in terms of politics and stuff like that, especially with the upcoming election. And I know that even um, in years prior, we've already seen um, outlets having to, uh, you know, clear up that certain videos that go viral have been digitally altered. So what's going to happen with these AI softwares that are just more readily available this time around? Yeah. And I think it cuts both ways, too. I want to take us back to Trump's infamous Access Hollywood tape, the grab him by the pussy comment. You know, at the time, it was pretty evident very quickly that that was authentic audio but not only can, you know, these AI generated scandals be created, it creates confusion when it comes to the things that are genuine. Because imagine if this technology had existed in 2016, you know that Trump would have been like, that's fake. That's an 100%. AI. I never said that. Yeah. If something new comes out in the 2024 campaign. He will blame it on AI. His campaign managers are going to say, call it AI and move on. And who can prove him wrong? That's a really great point. And it almost doesn't matter. Like, yeah. think about the fact that people vandalized pizza parlors because of Facebook rumors that Hillary Clinton was running a pedophile sex ring out of the basement of a pizza parlor. Yeah. Like, they'll believe it because they want to believe it. Yeah. Even if you substantiate that it's fake. There are going to be some people who are such sycophants for whoever it is that they want to follow that they're going to they're going to believe it. They're going to go out looking for, quote unquote, information that they believe substantiates what they hold to be true. Yeah. So it is it is frightening. I want to play one more example. 
I just yeah. happened to see this today. Somebody trained an AI on Steve Jobs's voice and then connected it to ChatGPT and then connected that to Facebook Messenger to allow for two-way voice conversations with Steve Jobs. So this is John H. Meyer, and he recorded his interactions on Facebook Messenger with the ChatGPT bot that was trained to understand Steve Jobs' voice and recreate it. So this is Steve Jobs, who died in 2011. Undoubtedly, the biggest global event that occurred in 2020 was the COVID-19 pandemic. It has affected millions of people worldwide and brought about significant changes in the way we live, work, and interact with one another. So that is just one sample. He has a ton of samples, but he gets, it sounds just like Steve Jobs to me. I feel like I'm listening to him in a keynote. It's got his cadence. That's what I was going to say too. The the cadence is uncanny. And that's what's Mm -hmm. really going to be a driving force in convincing people that these things are true. Because, you know, obviously, like, for example, we all have Siri on our iPhones. Siri can read out directions. Or sometimes I use Siri even when I'm working to, like, um, have the um, have Siri like read back what I wrote so I can catch any mistakes. But you can distinctly tell that it's an AI that's reading your work back because it sounds choppy. The yeah. fact that that doesn't sound choppy or that like he like the AI Steve Jobs takes breaks where real Steve Jobs would have naturally taken breaks is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it just goes to show the variety of AIs that are online right now, like you're going to find some that aren't going to be as fluid. And they're obviously AIs, right? But as this technology keeps getting better and better, it's going to be harder to tell. This in a way could be good news for podcasters because then we don't have to work. (laughs) We tell ChatGPT connected to Facebook Messenger, do an episode for us. Right. We're like, write the script, chat GPT, and then we feed it into an AI. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm one one week, I'm like, oh, I need a, it'd be funny if I could come up with a rap and perform it on the show. I can just ask chat GPT to do it for me with my voice. I don't have to do any work at all. It's all going to happen one day. One other sidebar, again, saw this in the last week. Spotify is slowly rolling out an AI DJ feature that will mix music and give you AI-generated and voiced commentary. So the AI will be talking to you as well, and they say it's a stunningly realistic voice. And here's an example of the AI AI really coming for people's jobs. In another 10, 15, 20 years, the DJs could be irrelevant too. I hear disc jockeys on... um, uh, Sirius XM in between songs. It's nice to get that commentary, but the AI is taking away people's jobs. And I look forward to trying this on Spotify. It's slowly rolling out. I don't know if I'll keep it on, but it's going to be interesting to hear what the AI says in between songs that it's also picking for me. Well, to kind of wrap up this discussion for today, um, we got a special guest to join us here on the show. Um, he has some thoughts to share about millennial, so we wanted to. Oh boy! Wanted to uh, give give him the uh, stage, give him the mic. Pam and I have not heard this yet. Laura created something. No, this is a surprise. Listen up, folks. I'm going to say 
I'm pretty darn angry that more people aren't tuning into millennials. <laughs> this podcast is smart, informative, and barely contains any malarkey. So why aren't more of you listening? Let me be clear. If you're not listening to millennial, you're missing out. And if you're not supporting them, then shame on you. We need to do better as a country. And that means supporting the voices that are out there fighting for change. So come on, folks. Let's get it together. Listen to Millennial. Support them at Pan Young. Come, Millennial. And let's build a better America. Oh, my God. Now, did I like you that write you that, that script? Spicy. No, ChatGPT <laughs> wrote the script. Oh, Whoa. wow. <laughs> well done, ChatGPT and Laura and fake Joe. Yeah, I will. I will note that um, that is an example of. Uh, an AI that is maybe not as advanced as some of the others that you've heard on the panel today. Uh, this AI, Joe Biden, couldn't say Patreon.com. <laughs> he was just like, he was just like, could you argue that that's more believable because, you know, he's getting exactly. old. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's stumbling over words all the time. He's got old man mouth. Especially when he's, you know, particularly fired up. He yeah. tends to mumble. He's not great <laughs> so. at reading teleprompter speeches. <laughs> no. I mean, he also has a stutter. Bless. Well, yeah. But yeah, I mean. I'm not making fun of that. But yeah, no, I, I agree. Like it does, in that regard, it it does feel genuine. But this, um, this bot was called Joe Biden angry. Oh. <laughs> ah, see, we knew it sounded fiery. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to sound fiery. And where did you find this? Is it a certain site for anybody who wants yeah, to? Yeah, it's it's called Fake You. Fake You. Y-O-U. Yeah. And I will say for a lot of these AI generated bots, if you want to use voices like high profile people like Biden, like Trump, it's not free. You're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> um, fake You is like $7 a month. And the quality of their AIs kind of varies. Some are better than others. If you want to start getting into the really fancy ones, they're quite a bit more expensive. Too rich for my blood at yeah. this point. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Well done. Bots and Laura. Thanks, President Biden. Thank you, Biden. Yeah, for that ringing endorsement. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, it's time to move on to recommendations. I want to recommend this bits of nerdy technology that I was pretty impressed by and never heard of before until last week, a dot card. So I was at a podcast conference in Vegas last week and, um, you know, wailing and dealing with the people at the conference and somebody's like, oh, here, take my info. And he, th he puts up this card. I should have brought it, but um, he puts up this business card. He kind of like hands it to me and I go to like, take it. And he's like, oh, no, just scan the QR code. And I scan it, and it brings up basically a digital version of his business card. And this was by this company called Dot. But what's also really cool is that the business card has an NFC chip built into it. So you can just bring your phone close to this Dot card, and it'll say, oh, here's a link you want to visit, right? And then you click that link, and then it brings up this digital version of your business card. And what's also really cool is that there's a button that you just tap and it'll automatically save that person's info as a contact on your phone. So I immediately ordered one of these because I will get business cards from time to time, but 
at least for me, and I'm sure other people who switch jobs kind of regularly, like my business cards become outdated pretty quick. So I'd much rather just have a digital business card I can keep updating. So now I got this cool dot card. It was like 20, 25 bucks. You can customize the profile. You put in a couple pictures too. It's really cute. Check it out if you ever give out business cards, but maybe you're you're sick of them. I want to recommend, it's a little bit of a tangent here. Be sure to, if you have pets, be sure to get them in for their annual exams and checkups. Andrew and Pam know what I'm talking about. Um, I've had a little bit of drama in the past week. Um, Canela's okay, but she had a little bit of a health scare. And the only reason that we caught it was because I got her in for her annual exam and senior blood work on time. If I had, you know, delayed that even by a little bit or, you know, just decided that I had too much going on and wanted to put it off, the outcome here could have been very different. So please prioritize time to take care of your pets. I know going to the vet's expensive and I know that taking time off work to do it can, it can kind of feel like something that you can uh, push off and like kind of kick the can down the road, but don't do it. It's better for your peace of mind and for their health. And we're glad Canela's better. Yeah. yeah, she is. I wanted to recommend Legacy Box. I wanted to recommend this also specifically in light of, you know, Mother's Day coming up. Sometimes you're scrambling for gifts. This is a really great, thoughtful, easy gift idea for you. Basically, it's a digitizing service. So if your parents like, my mom have a lot of home movies on VHS tapes, don't have a VCR anymore, or even any like pictures and stuff like that. They will digitize it all. It's really nice because as soon as you pay, they send you a box kit for you to uh, enclose the stuff that you want digitized to send back to them. So you will be able to wrap something up for your person that you're gifting this to potentially to open up on that special day. So my brother and I got this for my mom for Christmas. We paid for a certain number of items to get digitized. And she finally decided to send some items off and get them digitized. And they came back last Friday. So now I feel safe, you know, vouching for the quality. They're not going to do any remastering for you. So as long as you don't need anything like that, it's a really fantastic service. I feel like they have sales going on pretty regularly as well. So you don't ever have to usually worry about paying full price. It's, you know, a little bit, it's a little bit pricey, but you can get a pretty good deal. And yeah, like I said, it's just really nice knowing that those memories are preserved. Um, we ended up going with an option for her to download from a cloud service that they provide, and then also transporting all of the items onto a thumb drive so that she can make copies of that really easily, especially since DVDs are kind of going out of fashion. It just kind of felt like that was the best option for her, but they have tons of different options. So if you've been thinking about digitizing your own memories or you want to help your parents do that, it would be a good service to look into. That is a good idea. Yeah, it's a huge issue. We have so many VHS tapes. And yeah. I think we've made efforts to digitize some of them, but it's a lot of work. It, <laughs> it was really funny because like much like I am, you know, the firstborn child. And so therefore the guinea pig, my home movies, like my 
videotapes from when I was like a year old were also like the test subjects for this. Oh. And my mom didn't even think twice before like dumping those in the box and sending them off. Oh. And then she got them back and like, you know, they they came back in one piece. So like you do get your original stuff back too. Oh, that's good. She, she was like, well, now that I know that it worked with your stuff, I'll send off your brothers. No problem. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Thanks, Time mom. for the important material. Thanks, mom. <laughs> canceling this subscription <laughs> exactly <laughs> and now people don't even use cameras we use not to sound like an old man but we use the phone but what really bugs me is people film in portrait mode and i'm like do you really do you think you're gonna be wanting portrait videos like 30 years from now like i hope we go back to landscape that's a good point All right. Well, that concludes today's episode. Make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also contact us by writing to millennialshow at gmail.com or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com and follow us on social media. We're Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we're Millennial Pod over on TikTok while that platform still exists. Think of the small businesses, Joe. Think of the people you'd be hurting. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. After Dark starts in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.